We are going to continue um, our Christian living series. We're picking it back up. Took a break last week. And um, I am excited to share this word with you, however long we got. We'll see how much of it we get in. How much, we'll see how much of my notes we actually have time to get in now. But um, it's just a, it's an honor to be together, and I don't want you to leave church without getting fed by the word of God. So I hope you're ready for that and hungry for that. Uh, why don't you go ahead and stand up? We're going to read, in, uh, starting in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 6. We finally made it to chapter 6, by the way. It's been a minute. <laughs> it took us a while to get there. We're going to read all the way through verse 24 this morning, 1 through 24. So even if I don't get to preach much, you're still getting the full meal deal, 24 whole verses. <laughs> I love my front row friends here. <laughs> The, the little the comments that only I hear that y'all don't get to hear is so fun. I love it. All right. Matthew 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your, le your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for, the love, for they love to stand for the love. <laughs> for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward." But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus, thank you for your word. That just like you are alive, your word is alive for us this morning. Speak to us, and Lord, I'm asking for grace and guidance right now with the moments we have left together. 
to share what it is that you would give to your people, give to us this morning. Come Holy Spirit, speak to us in your grace and power. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take a seat. So we're continuing our Christian living series that we have been doing for a little while. We got a little bit left to go where we're coming into the Sermon on the Mount and we're asking Jesus to teach us how to reorient from self-centered lifestyles to kingdom-centered lifestyles. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is helping us do. And as we're going along, there's a lot of spots, so we're breaking it up into sections. We're in our third section of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're calling section three, Good Religion. We talked about this two weeks ago, that sometimes we can throw out the religion word. It's like a bad, charismatic curse word. We don't say religion. Jesus doesn't want religion, right? But we talked about good religion. What what we define good religion as is our rituals and our habits of growing in the grace of God. And that just tastes good to say out loud. Rituals and habits of growing in the grace of God. We talked about perfection in part one. In part two of good religion, I wanna share with you for a few minutes this morning that we have left on the subject of reward. Reward. I want you to write that down in your notes. Did you notice how many times Jesus used the word reward in these 24 verses? It's like every other verse, he talked about reward. It's fascinating. Good religion, reward. Matthew 6, verse 1, Jesus starts this big thought for us this morning. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is concerned about something. He's concerned That if he doesn't explain to you what he's saying right now, you might live your life in such a way that you don't receive a reward from your heavenly father. This is another R word that can get thrown out in our context of church sometimes. This R word of reward. Reward. See, there's... I was thinking this week and I'm like, if I'm going to preach this message the way Jesus means it and the way the Bible says it, I'm going to have to be just a full-on preacher mode, which means I, don't, I, can't, I, I can't concern myself with whether you want to hear it or not. I have to concern myself with the truth that Jesus is alive. Your life matters and we're all going to die soon. So I'm going to tell you something like Jesus wants to tell you because that's how Jesus is starting off this message. Beware. Watch out. Jesus has two big presuppositions with this whole text that we just read this morning. He presupposes two things in verse one of Matthew chapter six. Number one, he presupposes that you will act out your righteousness. He's assuming that you are gonna live religiously. You are gonna have rituals and habits built around your beliefs. And he is charging us to good religion. He's assuming that you are going to live a religious life. And number two, he is assuming that there is reward on the table for you from the Father. He is presupposing that you, you have the opportunity to live this life in such a way that when you die, the Heavenly Father gives you a reward for what you did with your life. This concept of reward is crucial for us to understand. Jesus 
is teaching us that, yes, God loves you unconditionally, but he does not reward you unconditionally. We all have equal value before God, but we do not all receive equal reward from God. Jesus highlights three specific kind of righteous acts in the, our text this morning. These aren't all the, the, the sum total of all that you can do is righteous. He starts off broadly saying, beware you that you practice your righteous acts in front of others to be seen by them. Because if you do it to be seen by them, that's your reward. And if you do it to be seen by them and that's the reward you want, that's the reward you'll get. But then he goes on and he kind of gives us these three examples. So for example, when you give, for example, when, when you pray, when you fast, when you act out your righteousness, here's how I want you to think so that you don't do it to be seen by others. You may be seen by others, but don't do it to be seen by others. Do it for your father who is in secret because... When your father, who is in secret, sees in secret, he will reward you. What an invitation. If we want to live out our lives well, I believe this is one of the cornerstones of our theology that has to fall into place, that it matters how I live my life. There is reward on the table for me from him. And Jesus is teaching us this because he wants me to get it. He wants me to receive my reward. That is why we come and we sit under the word of God. We get yoked to the people of God. We receive correction and reproof and, and teaching and training because there is reward on the table. And I don't want to be a fool like Proverbs says, who rejects reproof because I'm so caught up and concerned about me feeling good all the time, me being affirmed all the time that I waste my life. Listen. Wasting my temporal life costs me for eternity. So I don't want to be stupid and be like, no, I don't want to feel good when I read the Bible. I want, I want to know the truth from God because he loves me and he wants me to receive the reward that I have on the table from him. So I ought to listen to his teaching. And Jesus is saying part of your good religion, part of the fuel of your good religion is that you live properly for the right reward because he's telling you, you are living for a reward and you will get the reward you're aiming for. So which one are you aiming for? Maybe I could even say it a better way. Jesus doesn't really actually guarantee that if you live for the reward of man, that you'll get it from them. But he does guarantee if you live your life for the reward of the father, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Give me the sure thing. Amen, somebody. When you give, don't, don't do it in front of everybody else. Do it unto the Lord in secret, and he will reward you. When you pray, don't, don't try to make everybody f impressed with you and your words. And 
and all this stuff, just come and come to the Father who's in secret. Just go ahead, you can lock the door, you can shut it all out, and you can just come to him and talk to him with these short little words, and he will reward you. Your prayers will be rewarded. When you fast, don't, don't, don't waste your time trying to look gloomy for everybody else. Concern what it looks like when you fast in secret. Concern yourself with what does my heart look like while I'm fasting? What's going on in the, in the quiet room when I'm fasting? What's going on in my head when I'm fasting? Who am I fasting before? Am I fasting before man or am I fasting before God? Because he doesn't promise if you fast before man, they may think you're spiritual, but that might be all you get and you might not even get that. But if you fast before the Lord, if you pray before the Lord, if you act righteously before the Lord on that day, your father who has seen in secret the whole time will reward you. What a beautiful opportunity it is. We talk all the time about how Salvation is an invitation, not just a destination. When we are justified, justified before God, he seals our destination. We get to go to heaven, praise God, and now he's trying to get heaven through you in your life. And he has invited you now to live this Christian life. Some of you are like, this sounds a little like, you know, I don't want to do it for the world. No, no, this is just how ridiculous the grace of God is. It would be ridiculous enough if I got to just go to heaven when I died. It would be ridiculous enough. It would be scandalous enough. It would be worth taking the bread and the cup enough if all this was was a destination when I die. But he has given us alongside of that, this invitation. You've got time left. You don't just have to make it. You can actually invest it. Every moment you have now, from the time that I give my life to Jesus to the time that I see him face to face, it is an opportunity every single little moment to, in the secret place, invest in reward. Well, I don't want to do it for reward. You're allowed to. You're allowed to do it for the reward. Honor God and know that you will be rewarded. That's great. You can't really separate the two. A lot of people try, he's like, no, we just, we just honor God. No, we just fueled by the reward. You can't do it one or the other. It's just both hands the whole way. That's how, that's how God does things. Have you noticed the paradoxes of God? You know, it's like serve him selflessly and you will receive reward. And like, don't focus. It's just both hands all the time. Jesus says, I came full of grace, full of truth. It's not a balance. Not a little bit of both. It's just the whole thing all the way. Give yourself to the reward of God. Give yourself to honoring God in the secret place. Be okay being confident that, it, you know what? It's okay if nobody else sees me because I am fueled by this opportunity that I will be rewarded by the Father. And that's how I got here into the secret place today. And now that I'm here before you, God, I'm realizing, forget the reward. I just want you. And then you realize you are the reward. And that's Christian living. You know, because it's like, oh, well, I get to heaven. Well, I hope I get all my crowns. You will get him. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure how the crowns work. <laughs> I don't really know much about mansions and streets of gold, but I know we will get Jesus. Yeah. Isn't this what our Letters from Jesus series was all about? Do you remember how Jesus was calling you to lift, to, to put your eyes beyond the horizon of the here and now and live for the reward? Because being holy, like we talked about a few weeks ago, it's hard. 
I started off this year with one of the messages about following Jesus in a post-Christian, post-cultural world. And I told you, if it doesn't feel like following Jesus gets you punched in the face by culture at every turn, you're probably not in the fight. If you're not getting punched, you're not in a fight. Most of the time, that's a good thing. (laughs) Right? But have you not noticed this year that to become more and more true? If it doesn't feel hard at every turn, if it doesn't feel like you're swimming upstream at every turn, you're probably not swimming upstream. And it's hard. And that's why in our Letters from Jesus series, Jesus writes these letters to the churches in Revelation, all of them in slightly different scenarios. Most of them get an encouragement. Most of them get a rebuke. But they all get this promise at the end where Jesus is writing to his people. He's writing to his people then, and he's writing to you now. It is hard. I know it. And sometimes you compromise way too much. Sometimes you hold really fast. But at the end of the day, look forward. Look forward to that day. Didn't every letter end with a call to a promise? Look to the hidden manna. Don't waste your appetite on the things of the earth. Look to the hidden manna. Look to the new name. Look to being a pillar in the temple of your God and in the new city of Jerusalem. Look ahead. Beyond the horizon, I am coming soon. We won't live as Christians if we don't believe in a reward. It's that simple. We just won't. We're simple creatures. We like good returns on investment. Right? You don't have to be embarrassed about that. We're all in the same boat. If we don't believe that the treasure then is greater than the treasure now, we won't sell out for it. We'll compromise and it will cost us. And Jesus is saying, watch out, watch out. I want you to have it. I want you to have the reward. And so at the end, he gives us kind of three principles that I want to share with you about three principles that lead to a rewarded life that Jesus gives us in this text. I talked about principled living a handful of weeks ago, and we're going to talk about three principles of a rewarded life. He covers it in verses 19 through 24, he, he gives us these righteous acts. And then I, I hear Jesus kind of giving us this, this summary of thought. He's laying down these things for us to understand what it is that he's saying in verse 19. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Very simple. If you want to live a rewarded life, live for heaven's treasure. Probably feels like something that should be taught this morning, just in like, you know, the five-year-olds back in A-Kids. That's too simple. Is it? (laughs) Is it that simple? (laughs) For me, it's hard. But Jesus is calling us. He's saying every moment, I want you to look forward. Every moment, every time you want to do your own thing, every time you want to give yourself just for the things of the world, every time you want to marry yourself to the world, every time you want to live for yourself, every time it gets hard and you want to compromise, every time you have the opportunity by grace, my child, just look beyond the horizon. Trust me enough. Sometimes it's the, the horizon is just right in front of you. You're just mad at your spouse. Not me. I never get mad at mine. You get mad at yours. And... and <laughs> 
You get mad at your kids and you have selfish desires. I would never do that. I'm a pastor. You get distracted by so many things. But Jesus says, no, lift, lift up your eyes. Just lift up your eyes and, and make a decision for heaven. Live for heaven's treasures. Do we understand that God's grace is so significant, it's so massive, it's so all-encompassing that literally every moment is an opportunity to invest in heaven's treasure. Because what does he tell us to do? How do we invest in heaven's treasure? What are the two things? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is something I can make a decision every moment. I have that opportunity. And every time I decide, Lord, I'm gonna love you with my whole heart right now. I'm gonna love you with my whole soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I'm, I'm gonna love my neighbor as myself in this moment. Sometimes that looks fancy on the outside, but that's not what we're concerned with. Sometimes it's unnoticed on the outside, but that's not what we're concerned with. Every moment in the secret place of your insides that you choose to turn yourself to the Lord is an investment in your reward. And we have the invitation to live our lives looking beyond the horizon, living for heaven's treasure. You may have earthly treasures and that's great, but just don't live for them. Come on. It's a big difference between having stuff and living for it. I don't care what you have. Like, God doesn't care what you have. Uh-oh. But you know, those rich people really should change their lifestyles. Yeah, let's talk about us for a second. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about me. What has you? Does heaven have you? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Does heaven have your heart? Number two, to live a rewarded life, make Jesus your target audience. Make Jesus your target audience. We say this around our church all the time. We've said it from the beginning. The target audience of this church is, is Jesus. It's not you. It's not me. Not some specific group of people. We are, we are here. Our number one target is Jesus. That's what the church exists for and we believe that we can't be about Jesus and not be about people, but I know how easy it is to be about people and not be about Jesus. It's the same thing with your things, right? It's, it's great to have things and all that stuff, but it's scary how easy it is to have things and not be about Jesus. But you can have Jesus and then the things don't really matter. Just live for heaven. Make Jesus your target audience. Jesus says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? He's speaking to your eye. What are you looking at? My son last night, he was running to our neighbor's house because they were having this music fest thing. And he had to come home for dinner. So he pounded his food real fast. Can I go back and get a brownie now? We're like, sure, buddy. So he starts taking off across our yard and our yard's not real even. He hits this ditch and like, bam, plants in the grass. Immediately falls down, looks back. I'm okay. <laughs> go get him, bud. You know? Who do you look to first? Who do you look to first right after you do the thing? 
that's who you know is your target audience. Who just has to know? Who thought that went okay? Is Jesus your target audience? Because he's like, wherever your eye is, it, even the darkness is light to him. He is the light of the world. If we want to be filled with light, he says what? Look at the light. Who's the light? He's the light. In King James, it says, if thine eye be single, you got to say it like that. ESV says, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And the King James says, so if thine eye be single, the rest of your body will be healthy. Is your eye single on the Lord? Or are you satisfying an appetite for others to see you? Principle number three. Number one, live for heaven's treasure. Number two, make Jesus your target audience. And number three, make the Lord your master. I want you to write down that word master and underline it and then circle it. Make the Lord your master. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I feel like Jesus says that in such a way to make a point about money, but you could put anything in that next list. Because the big point is you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and And again, this is harsh, but like Jesus, I think, is, is kind of where I said I had to be at the beginning of this message of Jesus was really good at being there. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, just, I'm just wrapped up in the truth. I just want you to know the truth. And he's like, the bottom line is you can't serve two. So I'm not gonna tell you that you can sort of serve two because that would be cheating you. That would be lying to you. And I love you too much to lie to you. And so I gotta say it out loud in church. You can't serve two masters. If we wanna live a rewarded life, we must make the Lord our master. Talk about a word we don't wanna hear. Reward, religion, master, I wanna be free. What about me? You gotta do me, you gotta be me. Doesn't Jesus love me? Absolutely. So he's already got that taken care of. You don't need to worry about being you. He made you you. Make him your master. Because Jesus seems to imply another thing here. You have a master. Romans 8 underscores this. Talks about being a slave to fear. Or a slave to sin. Falling back into fear. Jesus came to pay the price for us. We were sons of disobedience. There's not neutral ground. It's not like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm, like, I'm just, I'm totally free. You're not. You are serving something because you were created to, which is great news. It's kind of why the gospel is called the gospel. It's good news. We were built to serve the Lord. And Jesus is exhorting us, see, God is not mocked. We will reap what we sow. We will reap what we sow. There is 
There is no mocking God and expecting that if I live my life for man's reward, that God owes me some reward in the end. That, that would be mocking God. I spent my life sowing into the approval of man. Now I want to reap the Father's reward. And the other is true. God is not mocked. If you spend your life sowing into the reward of your Father, don't, don't, don't be scared. God's not mocked. You will reap what you sow. You will reap of the reward of the Father if you give your life to sow into it. How do you sow into it? You sow into it in obedience, in seeking him. See, there is, there is so much freedom in growing in the revelation that the Lord is my master. There is freedom in the revelation that you are his bond servant. You belong to him. You are his. He is king, not elected official. He is king. What he says goes. Where he says to go, you go. How he says to live your life, you live your life. Like I said, we are simple creatures. And many times our biggest downfall is that we allow ourselves so many options. We can be so enslaved by our options. The freedom we are looking for is not found in weighing all of our options. The freedom we are looking for in this life is found in surrendering all of our options. When Jesus is the master, I don't have to waste my time trying to bargain with him. I'll try that on this side. When Jesus is my master, I'm not fooled into wasting time trying to bargain with him because he's the master. And that's great news because he's amazing. Do you see what I'm getting at? There is freedom in realizing like, oh, I, I had a choice and I made it when I surrendered my life. It's not the like, well, I'll give it back for now. The Lord is your master. It, it's a surrendered life. It's realizing the, 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 the beauty of the grace of God that when I got saved, he didn't make me better. I died and he raised me to new life. I said it earlier when we were taking communion. I don't live anymore. Christ lives in me. That's what's true about you if you're a Christian. We're just really bad at it sometimes, let's be honest, <laughs> right? It's like, we are, we are no longer just these sinners bound by sin. We are saints bound and filled with the Holy Spirit, marked by him. The power of sin has broken off all of our lives. We're just trying to learn how to do it. The reason we still sin isn't because we're still bound by sin. We're, still, we're, we're learning how to not be. Sometimes that takes some time. Sometimes that takes some effort. But there's freedom in realizing the Lord is your master. And to live a rewarded life, um, let's try starting there. As far as what are we building our lives on? I'm maybe getting distracted now, but I'm trying to help you guys. I'm trying to help me too. Like when you're weighing through all the decisions, like I'm, gonna, I'm trying to talk to you like you live real life and Jesus cares. Not the, not, not, the like, not the watered down version where everything's so sweet and nice all the time. 
Because that's not life most of the time, amen? Most of the time it's like, what do I do? How do I handle this? What do I do with this emotion? What do I do with these circumstances? What do I do with this reality? What do I, tell me where to go. We come to church, it's like, don't tell me what to do, pastor. But God, what do I do? You know? <laughs> if you would just show up and tell me. As we're working through the decisions of our life, my, my suggestion to me and us is start with the revelation that he is the master. Because if he's just like an option, just like a friend, just like a bro, just like a thing, just like a sprinkle on top, then I'm gonna spend way too much time wasting weighing my options. But there is freedom and clarity when we step into the reality and we start with God. No, really, uh, okay, I'm, I'm a slave to righteousness. So what's the righteous thing to do? Forget my feelings, opinions, preferences, emotions, desires, all of those things. I gave you all of those. You gave me a brand new life. I am now chained to righteousness. So for me to not be righteous in this moment means I have to disobey you, run away, break the chains, run off and not be who you made me to be. So I'm gonna start with, Jesus, you're my master. What, was the, what is the master telling me to do in this situation? And I believe that if I am your master, then I can do the things that you tell me to do. So if you tell me not to do that sin, then I'm not gonna do it because you said I don't have to. Re reward. If reward's on the table, him being my master gets way more exciting. Right? because I wanna live for that. And he is my master. He is my shepherd, leading me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, walking me through the valley of the shadow of death so I don't have to fear any evil, leading me by still waters and green pastures, filling my cup to overflow, anointing my head with oil so that is goodness and righteousness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's my reward. I'm gonna pray for us. Why don't you stand up? Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this time together. And I pray that we would be uh, wise and live for your reward. We repent for all the ways we've gotten so distracted and get so distracted. The appetite for the approval of people, it is real and feels so strong sometimes. And so we're asking that you would lead us, uh, lead us into trusting you enough to turn away from that and to live unto you. Thank you. Pray that you would come, Holy Spirit,
Fill us with your power to remember you and obey you, to participate in your kingdom. Lord, bless every person that's in this room who say thank you for their lives. Thank you that you're near, that you're close, and that you care enough about every single one of us to make sure that we can see things clearly and live for the right things. I pray that we would all leave here convinced in a new depth of your love for us. I pray that we would all leave here with a deeper hunger for your word and a more single eye on the prize. In Jesus' name, amen.